live from the WLIWFM studio on Tuesday, January 30th, 2024. I'm Gianna Volpe. From taxpayers who say they've been overcharged for infrastructure upgrades to a mother who alleges the county's neglect led to her son's death to a motorist challenging traffic ticket fees. Plaintiffs are seeking more than a billion dollars in legal claims filed against Suffolk County over the past 15 years. Vera Chinise reporting on Newsday.com that the county estimates it will pay much less than that, a total of $615.6 million, mostly by settling the lawsuits. Municipalities often settle for less than what plaintiffs seek rather than either side risk losing a jury trial or a judge potentially tossing some cases. Some of the larger settlements in recent years have been tied to allegations of law enforcement misconduct. In December, the county agreed to pay $12.8 million to Rodolfo Taylor, a former resident who spent nearly 26 years incarcerated for a string of gas station robberies and later had his conviction overturned. Newsday has submitted a Freedom of Information request for the amount the county paid last year in total claims. The largest pending claims are over the county's use of sewer funds and fees that have been added to traffic violations, including a $30 administrative fee for red light camera tickets. Some fear future payouts could erode Suffolk's $1 million in reserves, particularly since several lawsuits have languished for years with no resolution. In other news, the Economic Opportunity Council of Suffolk, Inc., the long-standing operator of the Montauk Child Care Center, has announced why it decided to discontinue its contract to operate the facility effective May 3rd. Lisa Finn reporting on Patch.com that since its establishment in 2006, the Montauk Child Care Center has been providing essential child care services to the community, despite a com- strong commitment and concerted efforts to maintain the center, EOC of Suffolk has faced escalating operational costs, particularly in staffing, compounded by the recent national surge in inflation. The EOC said additionally, the center has consistently operated under the required enrollment levels for sustainability. Quote, the cumulative effect of these factors has led to a financial deficit that is no longer viable. That quote from Adrian Fassett, president and CEO of EOC of Suffolk, adding this decision was not made lightly and we understand the impact it will have on area families and the community at large. End quote. The town of East Hampton said last week that it would be issuing a request for proposals to identify a new operator For the child care facility, EOC of Suffolk said it was committed to a smooth and orderly transition, prioritizing the welfare of the families and children who depend on the center's services. To that end, all supplies, toys, materials, and equipment will be left for the next center operator, ensuring continuity of care and resources for the community's children. Also in Montauk, Tina Campbell, 29, who was arrested by East Hampton Town Police in Montauk on June 27, 2019, after murdering her twin toddlers, was sentenced yesterday to 20 years to life in state prison for the killings. 
T.E. McMurrow reporting on 27East.com that Prosecutor Frank Schroeder addressed the court before Suffolk County Justice Richard Ambrose pronounced the sentence. He said that normally it is a murder victim's mother who addresses the court before sentencing. Quote, in this case, it is the victim's mother who did the killing, he said. So who speaks for the two-year-olds, Jada and Jasmine, Schroeder asked. Prosecutors previously said autopsies of Jasmine and Jada Campbell showed the twins died of manual asphyxia when their mother covered their mouths and noses. In the immediate aftermath of the murders, Campbell's mother told East Hampton Police that her daughter was diagnosed as a teenager with bipolar disorder and has been struggling with mental illness her whole life. And finally, Southhold has embarked on a mapping project to better understand flood-prone areas in town and establish detours that aren't also underwater. Maps can also help first responders during evacuations and rescues. The 2024 budget includes $100,000 toward a coastal resiliency action plan. There are 210 miles of coastline in Southhold and more than 1,100 homes and businesses in the flood zone. Tara Smith reporting on Newsday.com that the town recently began a project to map flood-prone areas to help residents better prepare for emergencies and plan longer-term solutions. Dan Goodwin, the South Hold Town Highway Superintendent, is leading the project with town engineer Michael Collins and John Sepanowski, who heads the town's Geographic Information Systems Department. The mapping project is the first step toward a larger Coastal Resiliency Plan. South Old Town Supervisor Al Krupski said the project will pinpoint safe alternate routes drivers can use to get where they're going but not drive through standing water. Super important stuff. The map can also be a useful tool for first responders if rescues are needed. Civic leaders have pledged support, saying action is overdue. Quote, Southhold is a little behind the eight ball, but at least they've got it on their priority list. That quote from Kutchog Civic Association VP Dave Bergen, whose family has lived on Nassau Point for four generations. Uh, Bergen 68 said there's got to be some major changes in these communities. If not, they're one storm away from these homes being potentially destroyed. A draft map expected by the end of February will help guide decisions on roads that can be raised and related costs. Collins cautioned that raising roads isn't a cure-all either and could require partnerships with private landowners so the town's efforts don't send floodwaters rushing onto their properties. Examples could include redesigned driveways and new drainage systems. Reading the weather in Garden City, going up island today, in honor of Long Island Children's Museum President Erica Floresca joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about the museum's 30th anniversary, as well as their brand new Eric Carl exhibit, looking like a mostly cloudy, where are we, Tuesday? With a high near 37 degrees northeast wind, 5 to 8 miles per hour becoming east in the afternoon. Tonight, cloudy with a low around 32 degrees, east wind around 8 miles per hour. Right now, it's just above freezing at 35 degrees. And since we're going to be talking Eric Carl. I've prepared a very edition of The Heart, Nirvana, Deborah Laws, Tough Bear, and Cat Stevens. But first, 
Pum. Which, let me think. I think that's that means apple in French. Very bad from the consolation record of 2022, kicking it off with a little fresh French pop on Long Island's morning and midnight show, The Heart of the East End, on WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love.
And now for something completely different. Deborah Lou's title track to her 1981 record up next. The first hopping back to 93 for a track from In Utero. All right, we're cutting in because I don't like keeping my guests waiting. All right, so it is Tuesday morning. Uh, the show is underwritten by Peconic Landing and Southampton Arts Center. And our guest this morning is Long Island Children's Museum President Erica Floresca. Good morning, Erica. Thank you for being with us. Good Good morning. Thank you for having me. So we're talking, first of all, we're talking 30 years of Long Island yes. Children's Museum. Uh, when did you, you came on board just this past year, right? Well, I, I became president in June. Okay. I had worked here for three years before that as the Got director it. of development. Okay. But I was a member here with my kids way back oh, in I the early that. years. Um, my kids are now in college. So I know the museum for almost its whole life. So so tell, tell me the story. Tell me about uh, what it was like going there uh, with your kids and how the the museum has grown over time. Well, you know, when we moved to Long Island out from the city, my husband and I, two young kids, um, we live in Baldwin, and we were looking for places to go with the kids um, to have fun that's not the mall and not, you know, I don't know. And the museum was there. The, the exhibits were so great. When my parents came to visit, we'd go to Long Island Children's Museum. When my friends from Michigan came to visit, we'd go to the Children's Museum. When we wanted to go somewhere with the neighbors, like, let's do something fun, make memories, um, you know, do something out of the ordinary to um, introduce the kids to something different, we'd go to the Long Island Children's Museum. So it's very much, I had my son's birthday party here. It was very much a part of um, a place that we built community, built friendships, um, and made a lot of memories. So, and and during that time, were those other museums there? I saw there was, uh, there's a firefighting museum and also the uh, Cradle of Aviation Museum there, like, yep. w- had they had they already been there? What's 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 the timeline? Sure. Yep, the Cradle of Aviation opened right around the same time, I think just after um, LICM. The county established Museum Row, um, where these old airplane hangers were all in a row. Right. Um, I don't I don't know when the Firefighters Museum opened, um, but I we went to the Cradle a couple times with my kids as they got older. You know, they've got right. all the history of um, aviation and an exciting part of Long Island's history there for you to see and look at. So, um, yeah, the Museum Row is a great place to come. And we also have Nunley's Carousel, um, another right. very nostalgic um, part of Baldwin and Freeport's history. Uh, it used to be near the Baldwin train station, and um, the cradle actually ran it for a number of years. And a couple years ago, uh, the Children's Museum took over running Nunley's Carousel. So we also have that available on Museum Row, which is right. just a beautiful historic carousel um, that, you know, all ages can enjoy. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, uh, being from the East End, I was am- amazed coming around uh, the turn when I came to visit you guys and seeing uh, all of those 
uh, you know, all those buildings so close together and uh, really just kind of blown away. And, yeah. and and so where is the carousel in, um, you know, because I didn't see it. So is it, yeah. where, where is it? So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth the drive from the East End. I love, yeah. I love your, your, it is kind of impressive when you turn the corner. Um, Nunley's carousel is between the Firefighters Museum and LICM. Oh, so there's, okay. there's one kind of big dilapidated hangar, it looks like on the outside, um, and then just past that. So you have to walk out of the Children's Museum, down Museum Row, and eventually you'll get to this little um, gated uh, carousel p- pavilion. Um, it's really beautiful. Yeah, and you have to come back. So are you so h- had you guys taken over the carousel when you were director of development? Was that uh, something that was a project yep. of yours? Can you... Yeah, it was it was during covid um, when everything shut down. Um, the cradle came to us and said, you know, um, would you guys consider taking over operating it? And I think for us, it makes a lot of sense. It really targets, um, you know, maybe a younger crowd than the cradle usually gets. Um, and, and it's really for all ages. So we, we took that on. We now, we host birthday parties there. You can rent it for events, for photo shoots. Um, but also it's open. I think it's, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, every week. And during break weeks and special holidays, it's got longer hours. You can always check our website or Nunley's has even has its own Facebook group. I imagine this is, is it an, an old carousel? How old is this? Oh yeah. Oh, it's. It's an historic carousel. It's been, it was beautifully oh, restored wow. by the county. It it's features gorgeous. all these images of Long Island history oh, um, cool. along it, like like painted history panels. Each horse is specifically designed, um, you know, and painted from this. I mean, I think maybe turn of the century. I don't know the exact year, um, but it's got a. We have a certificate for a, it's a you know national historic carousel. Um, and it's got, you know, places to sit, the horses go up and down, and there is not a day that we don't have someone come in and tell us a story about when they rode the carousel when they were young. We actually had a man celebrating his 90th birthday who was so happy because he had spent every birthday growing up going to Nunley's carousel. Like, That's that so was cute. his birthday tradition. So it's saying, and now it's back it's saying that yeah. uh, it was... It's been in in Baldwin from it was in Baldwin from 1940 to 1995. It says the the namesake carousel was located in Golden City Park. So I don't know if it's like a repro, like so from 1912 maybe to 1939. The original, originally, yeah, the original one I think was in Coney Island. It was in Canarsie, yeah, Brooklyn. Canarsie, okay, Brooklyn. Yes, okay. (laughs) <laughs> it, was in the, it was in the city. And so, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it wasn't in Coney Island. And then it came out to Nunley's um, amusement park. It was a you know family amusement area um, in the Bald- near the Baldwin train station um, right next to Freeport High School. And then it closed down. It was closed down and in storage for a good 10 years yeah. before the county and a whole bunch of um, big fans, uh, folks who, who raised money to, re- to help it see it restored and back and open to the public. So cool. Sorry for the sidetrack. I'm just, I'm so, I'm I'm very interested. I think that I'm just so fascinated because I feel like carousels are, are, are one of the only things that are, that, that we really have taken ownership of. And as far as like restoring the past of, of how children play. 
through, you know, yeah. through time and in our country? Well, I think we're really one of the things we're so committed to is the hands on learning. Yeah. And play is the way children learn. Yes. Having fun, um, exploring, taking risks, trying something that they may not know how it's going to end up. And, and just taking in the beauty and the joy. I mean, a carousel ride, it's, 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 you know, it's very simple. You go in a circle and up and down. But for a child who is um, just learning how their body works and what the world around them is like, it's a whole different experience. Right. And, I mean, adults going on carousels, I still get let my inner child out or I still enjoy it. it yeah. You know, it sort of makes you just relax and, and enjoy the people you're with the environment you're in, you know, maybe be present for a little bit right. in, the, in our busy lives. It really helps you slow down and just take a deep breath. As does the, you know, the overall uh, museum experience. Although I went on the first day of the Eric Carl <laughs> exhibit. So there was a lot, there was a lot, my, my, my partner and I, yeah, my partner and I, we're like, we're pretty introverted. Like I can be a bit of an ambivert, but uh-huh. we both, we both, Afterward, we're like, okay, we're happy, we're home because it was a, it was a lot, it was a lot of people. But it was also Saturday. It's been the weather has been rough, and uh, yeah. it was the very first day of what is a very special exhibit. And we do have the the very edition of the heart this morning with all very songs in honor of Eric Carl. I love it. So so oh, tell us it. tell us everything about. Uh, you know, putting together or uh, opening this exhibit? Yeah, so this exhibit is is part of a traveling exhibit series that we have. Um, one of our, our galleries we dedicate to bringing in new and different exhibits each season. Um, and so for the winter, we always have what we call like a blockbuster exhibit, which is this year's Eric Carl. Um, it's, a, a, it's an exhibit that does go around the country, developed by um, Pittsburgh Children's Museum, and it's a really layered exhibit celebrating Eric Carle's artistry and the books that he wrote. Um, it's called Very Eric Carle, a Very Hungry, Quiet, Lonely, Clumsy, Busy Exhibit. Um, and that really describes the, the layers and the ways that kids can learn and enjoy and participate in the exhibit in multiple, any kind of learner, multiple tactile openings. There's an, a little art space, there's a reading space, there's um, weaving of a spider web, there's puzzles, um, there's a music wall where kids can um, hit different bugs that light up and create an, uh, an orchestra, there's a little climbing area. Um, and, you know, his artwork is really beautiful and sends wonderful messages about um, caring and working hard and persevering. And, um, and all of those messages can be experienced by children, by adults, um, and, you know, this opening weekend, we did have a wonderful response to it. And what we're finding is it kind of matches kind of the 30 years of Long Island Children's Museum in bringing intergenerational folks together, parents and children. I mean, I don't know about you, but my parents read me a very hungry, oh, yeah. you know, very hungry caterpillar. Definitely. I read it to my kids. Yeah. So we now have people coming to the museum who came as children, and now they're bringing their children. So we're seeing the next generation. and you know, it's just, it's beautiful. The butterfly, you can actually stand in front of a butterfly and there are butterfly wings, lots of photo ops. Um, and it's, it is a little larger than some of our other traveling exhibits, which some of our guests um, expressed, you know, it's in a few different areas of the museum and an art uh, exhibit out in the front outer lobby. So you come in and you just feel immersed in his yes. world 
Um, there are places to sit and read, you know, little cozy nooks, um, but also some some grass to climb through, so some kids can explore their big their gross motor skills and feel like they're getting lost while parents can see them completely. Right. <laughs> it was really it's really cool. I, I loved how Did you many have a favorite part. Let me think about that. Um, I re- I did like the the big grass. I I also um I think the cricket wall was my favorite. Mm. I thought that yeah, was can... just because it, you incorporate music into it. Yeah. And and yeah. it's and it's just uh I mean as far I can't imagine the cost to have put together that wall alone yeah. because yeah. I Go ahead. It is. It exhibits do not are not cheap. Um, developing them is really um, cost intensive, but also you have to build them in order to withstand the you know thousands and thousands of folks. We have, we serve over three hundred thousand people a year, wow. both at the Children's Museum and out in the community through our outreach. You know we have birthday parties and field trips, um, and the exhibits have to withstand you know a lot of beating. <laughs> Right. And I mean, you have very, you have very sophisticated exhibits, you know, a lot of technology, a lot of smart development, a lot of protection around some of, uh, you know, I'm thinking about um, the one where you have the cameras from uh, across, across the the museum. Yep. The cameras um, pick up, you know, movement, physical movement, and then project, make things project differently on the screen. So you can walk by and the butterflies, you know, move and the the weeds blow in the wind as if you're creating wind walking by that. Um, yeah, that's some of the really cool technology that's being developed. So it's still, it's using technology to enhance the learning um, where it's still physical movement, it's hands-on, it's reactive, it's interactive. Um, and it's beautiful. I mean, yes. Eric Carle's artwork it's abso- is beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> you know, and we, there's a there's an East End tie-in because uh, Carolyn Woloski, who's an artist out in Greenport here, she said, I used to work with Eric before he was famous. Uh, we were both uh, artists, I believe, for like a pharmaceutical company. Oh, wow. And I was I like, love that. I know, I want to have I- her on to talk about it. Yeah, I want to have her come visit. If you talk to her, I will. tell her be great to hear what he's like. You know, we're, um, I don't know if you know, we have a theater also. We have a family theater. So I didn't and... go in to visit, but I saw it on yeah, the map. Tell me yeah, everything. Yeah, we, well, we're in rehearsals right now. Um, so sometimes we have, the shows are on, but during February break week, we're featuring a show called Frederick, which is by Leo Leone. And he was a mentor to Eric Carle. Oh, cool. Um, so with our theater, we often try to tie in exhibits that we have. Um, we also have a show coming up called Journey to Oz. And it puts Dorothy on trial for killing the Wicked Witch. And you get to decide. The audience is very interactive. The audience helps decide whether she's guilty or not. Um, and then this spring, we have a favorite, back by popular demand, um, Don't Let Pigeon Drive the Bus. Nice. That's based on a Mo Wellum yes. show. And last year we had a Mo Wellum's <laughs> exhibit during this oh, time. So you awesome. have to come back and see the theater. I know. Um, I, rem- I remember really- I wanted to come to the to the Mo exhibit. And I'm actually thinking there was another one, another uh, fantastic artist that I believe uh, was doing an exhibit there that I that I wanted to come visit that I missed. Okay. We do we do try to feature artists. We had um we had a whole program um, with the Shinnecock Nation artists oh, two summers ago, and we had four artists in residence for two weeks, 
a painter, a jewelry maker, a photographer, um, and a fabric artist. And they created this beautiful medicine wheel that in front of our guests um, that now hangs in the outer lobby. It's oh, really beautiful. Yeah, so we, we definitely, you know, we, we feel visual art and performing arts are really essential learning tools and experiences for children to experience empathy, to put yourself in someone else's shoes, to express yourself when words may not work um, or be right there. So we have a lot of programming for the performing and visual arts. Where do people go? LICM.org or, or is there? What's, you got it. Is that, yep, I just, I just, L -I, yep, I just did some guessing. org. <laughs> Um, if you go to the calendar page, you can see all the special workshops we have. We have pop-up activities almost every day, free arts and crafts that kids can do um, right at a table. It takes 10 minutes, and they usually get something to take home with them. Um, we have, you know, 14 different exhibits. I loved, um, I loved. worth the trip from the East End. Yeah, I loved, I loved the gallery. Uh, it, I think it's the Blue Gallery. I'm not sure, but the wall of art, and I was like wondering. There's, there's, there's a piece of like oh. avocado toast. <laughs> I don't know if you know what yes. I'm talking about. No, I do. The, it's our community gallery. Because, because um, I'm a like beautiful. I was standing there and I'm looking at this avocado toast, and I'm like, you think a kid did that? And I'm like, that is yes. just amazing. A kid, a kid did that. I so, believe it. Um, each month we feature student artwork in our community gallery. So January's month is um, East Rockaway School District. Those are students. Oh my student God, I love from that. There. Yeah. And um, yeah, each month it's something different. And coming up in February, actually this week, it's turning over to a Chinese art center. Cool. We'll be putting up student artwork from their center. Um, so each month you get to see different student artwork um, and really celebrate some of our local budding artists. Oh, I love and, it. Yeah. In November, we do a special project with Assemblyman Ed Ra in honor of veterans. And he, nice. he has a project that partners students and veterans together. And the students write a journal. They interview the veterans and write a journal, like an article about their life. And then the students take a picture and paint or draw the veteran. And then we, they're up all November for Veterans Month. Um, and then we have a whole reception where the veterans get to meet the children again and their families. It's really that's really I love beautiful. the community gallery. I'm glad you raised that. You <laughs> that is that. really that is really beautiful. Before I let you go, is there anything else coming up that we haven't mentioned that you want to make sure folks know? Uh, yeah, well, I before. think the Eric Carl exhibit just opened. Oh, it's go it's yeah, it's going out until May. May, right? Yep, it goes till May, um, and then after that, we actually have Thomas the Tank Engine coming. Aww. So. You know, coming to the museum and knowing there's a different, you know, exhibit almost each season uh, is a great way to, you know, you can come back more than once. Uh, we do have memberships and birthday parties and school field trips and outreach programs. Um, and then we do a lot of work in the community, too. So we're really we're open. We're here for the community. We serve every single zip code in Long Island um, and Queens and a little bit of Brooklyn. Um, so everyone's welcome. And I really invite everyone to check out the website and come for visits. Grateful for your time and to learn all of that. It's a beautiful place, licm.org, the Long Island Children's Museum, is celebrating its 30th year. They've got the Eric Carl exhibit up now through May, licm.org, for more information. That was President Erica Floresca. I'm Gianna Volpe. Um, who's up next? we got Deborah 
Laws, Tough Bear on Deck after that, music from all decades and genres, interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM.
on this earth for a short while and though your dreams may toss and turn you now they will vanish away like your daddy's best jeans down and blue fading up to the sky and though you want them to last forever you know we never will you know we never will and the patches make the goodbye hardest Stevens, <clears throat> excuse me, to the lilacs. Oh my gosh. Cooperate, voice. Catherine Beaumont going to Alice in Wonderland for the next one, hopping back to 1951. 
Very good advice coming up after this. Very last time from the Lilacs 2016 record, the Lilacs rise above the filth. After Oh Very Young from Cat Stevens' 1974 record, Buddha and the Chocolate Box, and WLIWFM's very edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show, featuring music from all decades and genres, and interviews with folks from all walks of life, all because of you, a listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Left, I haven't eaten, I went in rounds, got sound, leave beaten. My hands are shaky, my brain is tiny, my forehead looks a little bit shiny. The tanks commence, let's creep attack, I'm a Polak fighting on horseback. Oh my god, I can't play this. So I, I forgot to tell you, I didn't get my usual... Preview time for the playlist today. I'm just taking that one out. Now, I give myself very good advice, but I very rarely follow it. Letters to Cleo, a track I love very much. Veda, very shining. I give myself very good advice, (laughs) but I very seldom follow it. That explains the trouble that I'm always in. Be patient is very good advice, but the waiting makes me curious. And I'd love the change should something strange begin. Well, went along my merry way and I never stopped to reason I should have known there'd be a price to pay someday someday I give myself very good advice but I very seldom When you consider, uh, oh no, that was, she was not talking about Alice being on trial, although you wouldn't need to add a, a court scene because that's already in the book and the film. She was talking about Oz.
Hey, so the serendipity I mentioned lives on because I forgot. I've got We Thank You Very Sweetly, Joseph Koziel and Frank Cuxie from The Wizard of Oz. Coming up in the next hour of the very edition of The Heart, which is serendipitous with our conversation with LICM President Erica Floresca. Hot left poll leading you into the NPR news break. A very wise old man from the hard work record of 2022. We got it all here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. With Long Island local news on Tuesday, January 30th, 2024, I'm Gianna Volpe on WLIWFM. Riverhead school officials criticized Governor Kathy Hochul's executive budget last week for proposing changes to foundation aid, the primary source of state funding for public schools, by changing how the aid is allocated and eliminating the hold harmless policy, which guarantees school districts receive as much foundation aid funding as they did the year before. Alec Lewis reporting on RiverheadLocal.com that the change would give districts like Riverhead less than what we should be getting. That quote uh, from Riverhead Central School District administrators and that Governor Hochul's budget would, quote, unilaterally change the foundation aid formula that has been used for decades, end quote. Hochul's 2024-25 Budget proposal would increase the Riverhead School District's total state aid by $3.3 million to $80.4 million, a 4.3% increase over the 2023-2024 total aid, according to data published by the New York State Education Department detailing the governor's proposal. Riverhead's foundation aid would increase from 57.5%. $5 million to $58.9 million. Other districts on the East End would have total state aid significantly 
reduced under the governor's proposal. Legislators across the state and those representing the local region, including State Senator Anthony Palumbo, the Republican from New Suffolk Assembly member Jody Giglio, the Republican from Baiting Hollow, and uh, Assembly member Fred Thiel, have vowed to fight the governor's state aid proposal. In other news, LTV Studios and the Eastville Community Historical Society will celebrate Black History Month by hosting two educational live multimedia lecture events. In February, LTV and Eastville will host two programs at LTV Studios, 75 Industrial Road in Wayne Scott, both free and open to the public, the first of which is this coming Saturday at 7 p.m. on Groundbreaking Black Comedians. Um, And then the second, the Sydney Poitier story, is set for Sunday, February 25th at 7 p.m. For more information, you can visit ltveh.org. And finally, don't wait for the groundhog. A pair of forecasts is already saying there's a chance for an early spring using very different methodology, both the old farmer's almanac and the National Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center have called for above-average temperatures in the months ahead, which sounds pretty good after yesterday's highs in the 30s, chilly winds, and geez, you know, I hope the sun comes out sometime soon. I don't know if I'm sure I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one that's suffering a little bit with the with these clouds. John Asbury reporting on Newsday.com that the National Weather Service's forecast based on scientific weather models and the influence of the El Nino global climate pattern in the Atlantic calls for temperatures to be above normal in the next three months. But that doesn't mean Long Island is in the clear yet, as it historically marks its average for the highest snowfall from February through March. Quote, seasonal forecasting is tricky. A forecast is usually about a week in advance, but subtle differences in conditions can lead to different outcomes. That quote from Dominic Ramuni, meteorologist with the Weather Service in Upton, Long Island, who added, as we go into the spring, the El Nino system begins to weaken, and we could see subtle effects that could bring above normal temperatures. That's not to say uh, we're not going to get any snow or cold air and above normal precipitation, he said, uh, the farmers, the old farmer's almanac which says it derives forecasts from a secret formula combining sudden spots, prevailing weather patterns, and 30-year meteorological statistical averages also predicts a warmer and early spring. This year was one of Long Island's wettest on record per the National Weather Service. Its long-range forecast calls for more wet weather and temperatures above normal. The ups and downs of winter can be difficult to predict, Long Island recorded its earliest 70-degree day last year on February 16th, but two weeks later, the region got its first and only significant snow. Speaking of the weather, let's read it here in Southampton, looking like, ah, mostly cloudy. Tuesday with a high near 34 here in Southampton, wind chill values between 25 and 30 degrees, northeast wind, Around 10 miles per hour tonight, cloudy with a low around 28 degrees east wind, 7 to 9 miles per hour. Right now, it's 36 degrees, and I am 
going to get this segment started, let's see, with Al Boley and Ray Noble and his orchestra, Nick Nemiroff on deck before uh, that track from The Wizard of Oz I mentioned. I'm going to play John Wolfe's That's Not Very Texas of You. Uh, I'm, I've been reading news about uh, about Texas. Um, and then let's see. We've got Johnny Duncan, Chris Kenner, Chet Baker, Blood, Sweat, and Tears. And then one of my heroes. One of all of our heroes, pretty much. And if he's not, I'm interested to know why. Mr. Rogers, today is a very special day, as it is every morning that we get to be with you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station. It's the very edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show, uh, broadcasting live Monday through Friday, 9 to 11 on the 88.3 section of your FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut, 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County, streaming online to wherever you may be. You can play it on your, uh, you know, your smartphone if you got one and plug it right into your car stereo so you can even listen while you're driving at WLIW.org slash radio. You can also use the TuneIn app. And if you miss the show and you want to hear it again or whatever, whatever the circumstance, you can listen at your convenience the same place you stream, WLIW.org slash radio. We'll be back. Okay. 
everything The mere idea of you The longing here for you You'll never know how slow the moments go Till I'm near to you I see your face in every flower Your eyes in stars above It's just the thought of you The very thought of you, my love Doing well. I just got actually some very exciting news. Okay, I'll tell you. I just got engaged. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you. It's pretty cool. I'm going to marry my best friend, which is awesome. And I'm going to do something that not a lot of guys do these days. I'm going to take her name. Not a joke. (laughs) Sometimes, yeah, people clap there. (laughs) Thank you. I don't do it. I don't do it for the claps, but I do expect claps. (laughs) I'm doing it because I think it's like the right thing to do. I think it's a progressive thing to do. Also, she told me to do it. (laughs) Which I thought was very progressive of her. (laughs) But I want to get ahead of it, because you work so hard in comedy to build up your own name, so if you guys see me again in like a year's time, I uh, I won't be known as Nick Nemiroff. I'll be known as Elizabeth Nemiroff. (laughs) Junior. <laughs> I will say, unfortunately, that is a uh, old joke. <laughs> My girlfriend and I broke up. <laughs> I think mostly because I kept doing that joke. <laughs> in front of her (laughs) for two and a half years and I never proposed. (laughs) 
and her name was not Elizabeth. We thank you very sweetly for doing it so neatly. You've killed us so completely that we thank you very sweetly. Let the joyous news be spread, the wicked old witch at last is dead. In a 70 You know I tried to pass A time or two That's why we got that shoulder You gotta move that caddy over Well that's not very Texas of you You ordered up a Cosmo And a honky tonk You don't even know One George Street tune Never heard of Amarillo And you hate armadillos well, that's not very Texas of you. Maybe you're from some big old city where the air and the attitudes are gritty. You don't own Wranglers or pair of cowboy boots. Well, that's not very Texas of you. Yeah. can't take the hot and jalapeno you don't care that the bonnets here are blue you won't get up in a saddle and help us drive that cattle well, it's not very texas of you maybe you're from some big old city where the air and the attitudes are gritty you don't Texas of you. You can try to be a little more Lone Star. Think a little bigger, not so small. Tip the Stetson hat and say yes, ma'am. It'll sound better in a southern drawl. Y'all, not everybody. That's why we got that shoulder, so move that caddy over. You never heard of Amarillo, and you hate armadillos. If you don't like the beans and barbecue, well, that's not very Texas. No, that's not very Texas of you.
Talking about Jackson, Mississippi. Baby Jackson ain't a very big town. Maybe not. But just going back to Texas a second, I'm reading an article from Newsweek about uh, the secessionist movement and and would Texans be able to collect social security should the state secede from the union and i just want to read this one little note the conversation could be a moot point given that the u.s constitution does not permit any secession of states after the civil war the supreme court ruled in texas v white 1869 that states could not secede unilaterally from the union therefore any acts from an insurgent Texas legislature, even if ratified by the majority of Texas, Texans would be null and void.
got a nice four-decade jump back in time to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Uh, you've made me so very happy from their self-titled record of 1965. But we're going to go back another decade to Chet Baker's I Get Along Without You Very Well, except sometimes from 1954. First, chairman of the board in your listening future, after Chet, Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and the one and only Mr. Rogers will be the one and only Frank Sinatra, right here on the one and only WLIWFM. Got a Mr. Rogers vibe, huh? I get along without you very well. Of course I do. Except when soft rains fall and drip from leaves, then I recall. The thrill of being sheltered in your arms Of course I do But I get along without you very well I've forgotten you Just like I should Of course I have Except to hear your name Or someone's laugh that is the same But I've forgotten you Just like I should What a guy What a fool am I To think my breaking heart Could kid the moon What's in store Should I phone once more No, it's best that I stick to my tune I get along without you very well Of course I do Except perhaps in spring But I should never think of spring For that would surely break my heart Into Before got mad 
song and sentiment <clears throat> although it does remind me of something seemingly cynical but actually very logical that my father always told me growing up he said 
to watch out when people say stuff like that to you, like, you know, you, you, you make me happy or you complete me. He said, people can only make you happier, that you've got to be happy on your own and complete within yourself first. And uh, the reason I bring it up is because it actually uh, it relates to the next track, which is today is a spe- very special day. And for the first time, I'm wondering, because growing up, my father always said to me and my little sister when we were little munchkins, you know, that we were going to have all this fun, that we were going to, you know, be happy. And and do you know why he would say and we would say, why? And he would say, because we're together. And I can't wait to call him when I get off the air and say, you know, did you take that line from Mr. Rogers? Today is a very special day. He might have. Uh, the chairman of the board was a very good year. And then thank you very much. I, I actually ended up uh, cutting a few tracks because I, I wasn't able to wholly uh, look over the playlist. And I was very embarrassed. There's a very ugly word in, in a, a song earlier. It was a slur, really. And I apologize. And I don't, I don't, I don't play that. Uh, I don't do that. So instead, I've inserted um, a little Duran Duran track for Paula. Because recently, I actually bunny hopped past Duran Duran. And I know Paula's a big fan. So uh, I'll play White Lines from the Thank You record and then lead you into the NPR news break with when it comes to gratitude and, and thanking, I almost never miss an opportunity to play William Devon's Be Thankful for What You Got. I love that song. And I love all of you out there. Today is a very special day. And do you know why? It's because we are together here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, news you can trust, music you love. Today is a very special day, a very, very, very special day, a very, 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 very 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 special day why because we're together today is a very special day a very 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 special day a very 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 special day It was a very good year It was a very good year For small town girls And soft summer nights We'd hide from the light 
I was seventeen. When I was twenty one. It was a very good year. It was a very good year for city girls who lived up the stair with all that perfumed hair, and it came undone. When I was twenty-one, when I was thirty-five. It was a very good year. It was a very good year for blue-blooded girls of independent means. We'd ride in limousines. Their chauffeurs would drive. When I was thirty-five, but now the days are short. I'm in the autumn of the year, and now I think of my life as vintage wine from fine old kegs, from the brim to the dregs. It poured sweet and clear. It was a very good year. Very grateful to all of you out there tuning in to Long Island's only local NPR. Radio station, thank you very much for being with us. This is thank you very much from the Apples in Stereo record. Electronic projects for musicians. From 2008. 
the apples in stereo to rising Appalachia, William Devon and Duran Duran leading you into NPR Newsbreak. This is the very edition of the Heart Morning and Midnight Show featuring Erica Floresca, president of the Long Island Children's Museum. I'm Gianna Volpe and this edition of the Heart underwritten by Peconic Landing and Southampton Arts Center. The creative culture shift that is unfolding. And all of you listener supporters out there. I that we will receive that through song, beloved sound, and art we are holding. And I know sometimes you're tired, but baby, don't stop moving towards that fire. And I know. song and I said good morning Tuesday thanks for your song I like like when I roll out of bed and it carries me along and I I wanna ask you for your lyrical touch of my newfound melody and I said thank you very much oh thank you very much Mark Parrish from Sip and Soda for listening in on Tuesdays. I was just talking about you or, well, sipping soda with Bruce Tria of Rith yesterday. We're both fans. <laughs>
Much for tuning in to WLI WFM, streaming online at WLIW.org/radio. Drive 
entire WLIWFM family as well. This one going out to Paula, who offered to have a shower for me at the station. I am unbelievably just blown away by the kindness and thankful to be here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Thank you, Paula. Paula. 